Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Wow. What am I going to do tonight? I have just had multiple good nights of television. Normally, I'd be watching the NBA playoffs right now. Normally, we all would be. And you got Major League Baseball going, and you have the PGA Tour and MLS and whatever else you like. And, of course, we got nothing except... The NFL Draft, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I watched a little bit Saturday. I watched a lot Thursday and Friday. The first round was very intriguing. The second and third round, I was waiting to see which shoots would go, uh, but I was also waiting to see if the commissioner was going to fall asleep. His posture was getting worse and worse. It was really pretty dramatic. I really thought he just might, you know, all of a sudden we just completely see the bottom of the feet and the eyes are rolling to the back of the head and he'd be snoring on national TV. I'm up for that. Let's go. Let's see if the commissioner can hold it together. East Coast, it was getting late. 11 o'clock, past his bedtime. Should have taken a nap. The Utes, uh, there were some minor surprises, not major ones. Seven was in the ballpark. I always thought they were going to be at least six, maybe nine. Nine, everything really had to line up. Six, I was allowing for me being a homer. Um, the, the numbers seven and eight really were where I thought it was going to end up. But, you know, with trades and when you get to the last round, you never know what people think. And you never know who people are going to reach for at the end because it isn't just who's better, but it's who do they think they have a chance to bring in as a free agent. So it's wildly unpredictable. Got to the end of the sixth round, and I thought uh, possible a Cougar got drafted, probably a long shot. Um, definitely possible an Aggie would get drafted. And I thought probable a Ute would get drafted. And guess what? Ofer. No Utes, no Cougars, no Aggies. Nothing. Shut out. That surprised me. Um, there are, um, and we saw this at the end of the third round. We saw some other rounds. You know, there's some compensatory picks, some bonus picks in there. So it's not even just 32 guys. Uh, depending on what's happened and what picks have been awarded, you know, it can be much more than that. And so I really thought something was going to happen. And you said seven guys drafted. I think the seven guys that the mock draft said would be drafted were all drafted by the end of the sixth round. But I guess Francis Bernard is the one I was most surprised didn't get drafted. You know, could someone have reached for a Huntley? Sure. I mean, it could have happened. I didn't think it was going to. Um, Bernard was probably, I thought, the most likely guy to be the one to get them an eighth guy drafted. But seven ties you for fifth in the nation. That's a lot of guys. Uh, Alabama tied with Florida and Georgia, and I'm forgetting who else. Oh, Clemson. Huh. Clemson. Um, Bama had nine. Michigan and Ohio State had ten. And so uh, LSU had 14. And so when you look at how teams do, you'd have to say Michigan's a little bit of an outlier. Maybe Clemson underachieved a little bit for all the success they've had. you think they would have more? But I think that all NFL draft picks are not created the same. And if you get a quarterback, that's a big deal because they have such an impact on the game. Now, Clemson only has seven, but they got an NFL quarterback. They probably have the number one pick in the draft, I would assume. Um, But he's an underclassman, so he's not in this one. But he's making the team way better. You know, Oregon didn't have a lot of guys drafted, but they won the league. But they had a quarterback taken in the first six. And I just think that's a huge deal. And, you know, why does LSU go 15-0? and Well, because the quarterback went number one, and they had 14 guys drafted. But I think when you're looking at something that makes a team more successful, the quarterback's just got a multiplier. It's, this is a multiplier effect. You know, it's just so important, and it impacts so many things in so many ways. And it's getting there, and maybe they're there, and we just don't know it yet. They've got 
one way or another, three four-star quarterbacks associated with the program, two guys who've transferred in, either one of whom might start this year, and then a commitment, a verbal commitment from a high school kid who's you know still a year away from being on campus. Well, at least a season away. We'll have to see. Uh, so there's a lot to uh, you know. There, there's a lot of room for improvement there. But I think as the quarterback play has improved, the team has improved. You know, how did they break through under Urban Meyer? They had the number one pick in the draft. Why did they go undefeated? They had a fifth-year senior who was watching film the whole time. And this year, Tyler Huntley gave him the best quarterback play they've had since Brian Johnson. The most consistent, not that he didn't get hurt, um, but you look what happened with the other guys. And, you know, obviously Travis Wilson had a setback dealing with so many offensive coordinators. You can look at Alex Smith's career and see the same thing in the NFL. He kept going through coordinators in San Francisco. His first six years... He played five. He was hurt one. But his first six years in the league, look at his starts with the Niners. They never had a, they never had a winning record with him as a starting quarterback. Then you get to the seventh year, and since then he has never had a losing record as a starting quarterback. So you got to get a lot, you got to let a guy mature. You got to let a guy grow into it. And they did it with Brian and Johnson. It paid off. They did it with Tyler Huntley, and it paid off. And now we'll see where they go because now they're getting four star quarterbacks. The number four stars are going up, and there are no guarantees. There's a lot made on Twitter about the fact that you know USC's had a phenomenal amount of four star recruits, but only a handful of guys drafted. They've been outproduced in the draft by the Utes, who've only had a hand a handful of four star recruits. So. Clearly, the player development at the U, and clearly player development's important. It's why, like the Jazz and the well, whole NBA, you know, investing in player development. We're going to make these guys better. We're going to teach them. We're going to refine this stuff. Yeah, everybody's there because they're athletic, and everybody's there because they do something well. But can you make them do a second or a third or a fourth thing at a really high level? Or can you minimize the things they struggle at? Uh, the other thing, of course, uh, that I watched this weekend, having watched the draft on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, was I watched two more hours of The Last Dance on Sunday, and that did not disappoint. Man, it took me back to when I was uh, much more passionate about the winning and losing and just getting started in radio and TV. And <clears throat> living in Southern California for a lot of that time, I mean, magic was awesome. I had never seen anybody play magic, play basketball like magic. And following those Laker teams and respecting the Pistons – or excuse me, respecting the Celtics, even though nobody really liked him. Um, but the Pistons, there was just something about him. And boy, if you're young and you don't remember that era, you saw some of the fouls they committed. You saw how they would just jump on guys, hit guys, cheap shot guys. I mean, they won two championships, but the people who hate the Pistons can explain them both away. All the Lakers, I mean, they were hurt the first time. You didn't get to see it in the last dance, but Magic was hurt, and either Scott or Worthy was out, maybe both. Um, and then uh, and then the second year, um, which they did go into, you know, Pippen uh, had the migraine in Game 7, or the Bulls could have taken him down right then. Um, and then they got, the, they got the Blazers, who honestly... Uh, I don't want to get into it. Anyway, it was great to hate the Pistons again. It was great to see the bad boys. <laughs> It was great to see the bad boys. And for Sally, to just kind of plead guilty to all the crap they pulled. It wasn't really basketball. It was just beat people up. So the stories they told, Jordan's quotes, which we can't quote word for word here. Uh, Horace Grant's quotes, which we can't quote word for word here. But how much they hated the Pistons and hate them to this day. I mean, the passion was great. They did not mail those interviews in. And that Rodman Vegas story, that was crazy. DNP Vegas. 
load management, running off with Carmen Electra. Holy cow. What a what a soap opera. And Jordan just kept him winning through all of that. Crazy. All right, DJ and PK, there's more to get to. Uh, Utah State basketball fans, you ought to be happy this morning. Uh, Nimi Keda is uh, coming back for his junior year. He pulled his name out of the draft. BYU football fans, you're probably happy. Your guy, Taysen Hill, boy, he's going to get a chance to play. They're figuring something. If they're going to pay him $20 million, bucks, $21 million bucks over two years, almost $21 million, over the next couple of years, they got plans for him. They're not just giving that money away. So there's something up there. Uh, we'll get to all of that coming up. Good news for Taysom Hill. Good news for Aggie basketball. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, We had David Locke on the show Friday uh, to hit on a topic I find very interesting. Depending on how many games are missed, whether there are people in the stands, uh, how much of the playoffs get played, if any at all, how big a hit is the salary cap going to take? How big is the luxury tax going to take a hit here? And how is it going to impact player movement, either the Jazz acquiring players or re-upping their own guys? So we get into that with David Locke. Although at the time uh, he came on, PK had just offered up uh, Field of Dreams was a great movie. Who knows how we even got there. Let's not go back into it. <laughs> that would always be a problem. But that explains why David Locke starts the interview the way he does. David, good morning. I agree with PK. About what? Field of Dreams. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so as long as we're pulling the curtain back here, I don't think I'm going to do it, but I have to admit, in the last 24 hours, I thought about going to Field of Dreams. And I'm seriously picking the worst time ever to do anything that involves travel, right? But uh, my son has been going to school on the East Coast, and it's a long story, but he was planning on spring break on going to northern Italy. Ha <laughs> Uh, it didn't. It didn't work out. Thank goodness. And he didn't go. He almost did, but thank goodness he didn't go. And he ended up. Um, his girlfriend is in Connecticut, and he went up to visit her and her family at their house there. And the dad drove the girlfriend down. She had been studying abroad and flew back home. Drove the girlfriend down to pick him up. And the three of them drive back up to Connecticut, and they are not at the house more than a week or two. Uh, excuse me, more than an hour or two a week. That ruins the story. They've been to the house an hour or two, and they got word that my son had been exposed to someone who tested positive, and he had to go into quarantine at their house for two weeks. How awkward is that? So he's out of quarantine. He never got it. He's fine. They're selling a house and moving. He has to go close up his apartment in Washington, D.C., and he's got a roommate who is driving to Chicago. We don't want him to train or plane across the country. How are we going to get him home from Chicago? He may rent a car and drive it by himself, but there was a chance I was going to go pick him up. And if I drive from here to Chicago, I'm within like an, I'm, I'm like an hour and a half out of the way to go to Field of Dreams. 
But I really shouldn't be sightseeing at a time like this, should I? Would that be irresponsible? Now, it turns out I don't think I'm going to Chicago at all, so it doesn't even matter. How weird is that? So if you're going on that drive and it's only an hour out of the way, you're not sightseeing. You're not like, that. you should go. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going. I think he's going to... He's not 25, so renting a car, is I thought, was impossible. But it turns out it's not difficult. Right there are places where you can rent a car when you're 21. And he's 22, so he'd be able to rent a car. The other trick I've heard, by the way, is um, U-Haul. What about it? Oh, oh I U- get it. <laughs> okay. So, like, we, were in, we actually were in Hawaii and had some friends that were there, and she rented a U-Haul truck for her week in Hawaii because she could rent that at under 25. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a workaround for you. All right, David. So uh, Joe Ingalls had a little media availability. Did you eavesdrop on any of that? I did. Um, He talked about how much he likes doing the radio show with you guys, how wonderful you are, and how much he enjoys it. And so you should clip that and take it every time he, like, mumbles and grumbles and does his Joe Ingalls thing about what a pain in the ass you guys are. And you should replay that to him because he talks about how much he likes it. I like the way you think, David. That is excellent. Yuck, make a note of that. Seriously, that was my number one takeaway. (laughs) Right there. That was it. I was like, oh, DJ and PK should totally clip that. I'm on. I'm going to find it right now. Happens at about the tw- near the end. Uh, it's the maybe the last question. So uh, about the twenty-one minute mark on my lock. <laughs> That's interesting. You say that as far as that goes, because but how you know, great you, you are! Try to make That's this, not that surprising. No, 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 no. As far as what the Jazz can use going forward to attract players, whether it be through free agency or maybe they get somebody, uh, you know, obviously he's up for contract renewal and he can be a free agent, so retaining your free agents or getting somebody in the last year of their contract. Because I always thought they should try that because I always felt like if you can get a player here and he can see it, that he'll say, hey, this is a pretty good spot. I was able to witness it for myself. And so maybe you can get that player to want to resign here if you if you acquire him in the last year of his contract. Because you look at the Joe Ingles case, and you've been around this league for a long time. Have you ever seen a player like him make a connection to a community in the way he has made it, in the way the community has responded to him? Now, I'm not talking about the statues type of player, Hall of Fame players. I'm talking about a a very nice role player who can help your team because I think that can be to the Jazz's advantage. So, I mean, really it comes down to the fact that DJ and PK are available to help the franchise with recruitment by giving them shows, spots in the morning show, really. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? The greatness of DJ and PK. That wasn't what I was getting at, but if you want to go with that. Okay. Um, You know, I'm a little reluctant to, on the whole concept that our bubble is different than everybody else's bubble in the NBA. Um, you know, there's a uniqueness to being a single market or single t- uh, sport town. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, Mike Conley and Tony Allen and Zach Randolph's react connection in Memphis was every bit as intense. I think Marco Bellinelli and Patty Mills and all of those guys in San Antonio is every bit as special as what Joe has in Utah. I think, you know, the Portland crew probably has that too. So, I mean, sure, if you're in L.A. and there's, you know, a million other things going on, then there's 
in your your the percentage of people that live in that community that care about you is much smaller than the percentage of people that care about you in this community. Um, and so it's a different, it's a different aspect of things, but I'm a little reluctant when, when we play the, our guys are, you know, our relationship is better. Our guys are better. I mean, I think ours is really special and I think it's really, um, I think it's got value, but I, I, I get reluctant when we, compare it to others because yeah, we haven't lived in the other places so we don't know but i'm not just talking about that because you have to have a franchise run the way it's supposed to be run and to have the stability and the structure and all those things and you don't have to have the nonsense so it's not just that the community will love you it's the way the franchise is run which is probably more important yeah i mean i think there's no question that you know this year in cleveland when there was just disarray the whole time those players certainly you know, we're cashing checks, right? Like that, but that's probably no differently than any person in any business anywhere where if their company's not being well run and it's, you know, then you're just going because it's a job. Hopefully we have, you know, have built correctly as an organization, an environment that players like to be in, you know, the practice facility has been a huge focus in the basketball campus and an environment where the players all want to be and spend time together and, and create bonds and you build that chemistry that you have seen out on the floor over the last few years through all those little things, you know, whether it's Anthony the chef or the golf simulator or the, you know, the the, the workout area or the dining area that you spend the extra 30 minutes because it's nice there and comfortable and you feel at home, whether it's Bernie, you know, making you your shake or whatever the little thing along the way that's going to be done that makes it better. Certainly, if you can do that, then you create an environment in which, you know, the players want to be together. I think you could hear, you know, Joe today yearning a little bit for that pattern and that of behavior again that he doesn't have right now. So really it comes down to uh, players are going to chase money. Obviously, it's a job, it's work. So money's a huge factor. And then playing time and shots are going to lead to money, so they are a huge factor. But when things start evening out, there is an element to the NBA that is like college recruiting, what is going to make guys comfortable, what is going to make them happy. And I think you're right, David, that you can go other, other places and have a great experience, and you can go other places and have a bad experience. I mean, Durant's a better player than Hayward, but Oklahoma City and Salt Lake City were both really bitter when their free agents left. They were both really bitter. And I get that, you know, Durant's more accomplished. But nonetheless, there's this level of bitterness. But everybody's got to recruit. Everybody's got to play whatever card they have because there are going to be situations where players are going to have choices that are pretty similar. And you got to shoot down whatever negatives might be thrown your way by the competition. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the primary factor is money, right? And, and, um, and it actually is interesting how rarely DJ at all gets even. Really, right? Um, Bogey you know, didn't have anyone. Time, Bogey didn't have anyone who offered anything close. It was a straight money deal. No, that's yeah. I mean, there was nobody else on the market that was giving Bogdanovich that money that I'm aware of. Um, there was nobody on the market that gave Boozer and Memo the money that we gave them many years back. You know, where the money was the same was was probably Jeff Green, um, if he had another offer, which I don't know that he did. Um, you know, but he was minimum, so then the money would have been the same. I just don't. I'm not saying he didn't. I just don't know if he had other teams. And then Emmanuel Mudiay was minimum, and so, um, you know, in theory, he would have had the same money from somebody else um, if somebody else was offering. I, I'd be surprised if he was going to be out of the league. So I don't. I 
I would assume he had another offer. And that story is supposedly that B.J. Armstrong, his agent, you know, called and asked um, if they could put a manual into the system because that's where you're now delving. That's my point is that this is where you're delving into dividing issues. And so the Jazz player development in that case is the one that, that really made a difference, that they believed that they could turn Emmanuel Moody into a better, more solid player and have him learn the game better by being with the Jazz. Um, and so the Jazz signed him to a one-year deal, and he'll go out on the market, whatever that market's going to be, and probably be respected more after the performance he put on this year than he than he was prior um, and get probably something more than the minimum. Though, I, you know, this market could be really funky, so I, I, I probably should be reluctant in guessing what anyone's getting paid this next year. So when it comes down to it, money's the number one, and it's the overwhelming number one. And if you want to get players, you just got to offer them more money. Right. I mean, I'd say money's 85% of it. I think it's really hard because we're talking about such yeah. enormous sums. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. when, you know, when someone's suddenly getting offered 65 instead of 60, it sounds like it's five, but it's five million. <laughs> right? So it's not like. Those are just, it's just a mammoth, it's just such a mammoth amount of money that, you know, if it was 65 chocolate chip cookies or 60 chocolate chip cookies, well, you might take the 60 and call it good, but not when it's 5 million. Like, that's just, you know, that's just a big number. So you go take the extra five. Um, so, yeah, I think in truthfulness, that's why people hoard cap space and they do things. And the Jazz did a, you know, the Jazz did a nice job last year with the way that they managed that situation. You know, they... From all the reports, they gave Bogdanovich an extra year and a little more money. Well, that that moves the meter, and he he was he's been terrific. And it's, you know, it, and the Jazz did this incredible thing in the offseason where they really transformed their team from a defensive team to an offensive team, and in a few moves, which is hard to do. Like, and and I'm crazy impressed on how they did it without getting caught in the middle. I mean, I think the fear was when you were making that transition that you'd end up in the middle somewhere where you'd just suddenly be mediocre at both, and they didn't. They became elite offensively, and you know, they're above average off defensively, and, and what we were going to find out in the final 18 games is whether they could get to be you know, better than above average defensively, and that was going to dictate what they were able to do in the playoffs. So give us uh, kind of the ballpark math on how much less money teams are going to have in terms of how much you know, the cap's going to come down, how much the luxury tax is going to come down, based on whether the, you know, they have no crowds the rest of the year or if we don't play this last little less than a quarter of the season. What if there's no playoffs and no, no TV money because there's no playoffs? How big a hit could the cap be taken? So I don't – I'm going to have to just give you the parameters. They're going to move the levers, and I'm mm-hmm. not probably able to tell you what the amounts are. Ballpark. So you just touched on a bunch of them. So the, the reports I've read, um, if we don't play, it's like 25. It, the cap could take like a 25 to 30% hit from – there's a guy out of Miami who covers the heat named Albert who does like incredible work on this. Uh, I can't think of his last name right now. Um so if we don't play, it's billion dollars, and it's like twenty-five to thirty percent. However, the little mechanism that the the union and players agreed to the other day, where they they instituted the whatever Italian or uh, Latin term that means that they're taking twenty-five percent less money, also triggers a few other things, so that it actually opens up a little bit of a renegotiation of how you deal with the cap. Um, 
we're actually on the opposite side of what we were on the Durant year with Durant signed with the Warriors, where the union wouldn't accept the um, smoothing. Um, and so, therefore, there was all this extra money, and this once-in-a-lifetime thing happened where Durant signed with the Warriors. I, I, I suspect that if, even if, so either if we don't play or if we play and the revenue is limited significantly, I'm suspecting from everything I've read that there'll be a smoothing. The last thing the league wants is having a 25% drop or 30% drop in the cap in one year and then having it come back up the next year or come close to coming back up and then going again after that. So you'll see, uh, from everything I understand, you'll see some sort of smoothing across the board to try to have less variance from cap year to cap year. So I can't answer your question of how much because I think it'll fall under that negotiation of, what was it, the focus, the focus, so I don't know what it was, whatever that term was. I can't do that stuff. Wow. <laughs> what does all that mean? What, what does that mean for the Jazz? What big decisions do they have coming think, up that you think are I going to be impacted by this? I think it means that Jordan Clarkson's market will be limited. How's that? That's the kind of info we wanted right there. Yeah, That's so there's not very the many teams with cap space that are good. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Clarkson played on a bad team and has experienced that, and I don't think from my understanding he has an interest in doing that again um and so it would seem as though re-signing jordan clarkson would be an easier concept than it would be otherwise now here's the one caveat to that okay if everything drops so significantly that the luxury tax number drops down and all of a sudden, because Joe signed and Boyan signed and Rudy signed and Donovan's can get his money and everyone's getting their money, because the luxury tax comes down, even though the Jazz have his Clarkson's bird rights, if suddenly the tax is so low that all the Jazz can really do is give Clarkson what's the equivalent of the mid-level exception because of the fact that the luxury tax dropped so far, then all of a sudden the Lakers or you know a good team can give Clarkson the mid-level exception also, and then we lose that advantage. So it, there's some moving pieces on that that I'm not sure, but my initial take, if it's smoothed and if, you know, again, we just don't know, right? Like, right. we don't play. It's a different number than if we play playoff game. Um, my initial take is that re-signing Jordan Clarkson um, will – Will get int- will be easier. The one that gets incredibly fascinating, and I've got to talk to some people who understand this better than I do, is what happens on guys like Giannis. So Giannis is up for a supermax extension. Now that supermax might be easy because supermax, I think, is just a percentage of the cap, and so it just would fluctuate. But I'm not sure that it's not first year of the contract is percentage of the cap and then it's a percentage increase every year after that like i gotta check that because if you're doing something percentage of the cap in the first year you're just not going to do it until the cap goes back up to where it's supposed to be and so you could have a bunch of players who are only willing to sign one-year deals or who are not willing to sign extensions depending on how the rule how we word um percentage of salary cap in as the initial starting year or whether it just kind of moves based on percentage of cap He's David Locke. He joins us. Think that, oh, go ahead. Do you think that the league would create some maybe temporary new sets of rules, or are we just going to go with this no matter what? 
Um, first of all, PK, I appreciate you still wanting to talk to me while he's trying to get rid of me. So thank you very much. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, the, um, go to Field of Dreams. Um, the, uh, I think, in a sense, what you're asking, there will not be a whole collection of new rules, but my reading about this, and again, I'm not an expert on this, um, is that the 25% story you just read the other day about the league and the players union agreeing to this 25%, you know, paying less of their, has, it, it basically has activated something that does allow them to change kind of all sorts of rules if they need to. David, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, talk to you later, guys. See you. There's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. When we come back, Mark Pope, the Cougars, trying to put a schedule together, trying to land more guys in the transfer portal. Just got a 7-3 big guy. Well, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? Out of uh, Purdue, we'll talk with Mark Pope, who is nothing if not enthusiastic. That's next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Mark Pope join us. BYU basketball coach Mark, good morning. Gentlemen, how are you? We are good, but we're probably not as good as you. The Twitterverse erupted with the news that you're getting Matt Harms. He could have gone to Kentucky. It's good to stick it to Kentucky. You don't like those Kentucky guys, do you? <laughs> Kentucky guys are shady. Well, we're uh, we're unbelievably excited. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a he's a terrific player, and he's an even better young man. So so we're we're extremely excited about having him on the team. So you finally got somebody you can look up to, huh? Literally. <laughs> well, you know our front line is bigger than it was last year. That's for sure. Um, yes. And uh, you know this. Yeah, I didn't know uh, Matt at all uh, until I don't know two weeks ago when it was when he came out in the portal or ten days or whatever. But um, but man, he's an impressive young man. So when you talk about looking up to him, I don't just look up to him in terms of stature, but he's extraordinary young man. Uh, you know, this is a kid who, um, you know, is working at a shelter, uh, you know, six hours every week, uh, an animal shelter, right? He's got a, a really soft heart. And you know, I called him, uh, I don't know, a week ago and just kind of drilling him. And he's like, Coach, I got to go, man. I'm working on this paper. And so we dug into this. And he's, he's doing this uh, essentially uh, review of legal briefs in a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court and just got handed down a uh, 90-page decision early and, and uh, kind of described the entire process to me and was going on and on about how uh, Justice Scalia, you know, in his tenure in the Supreme Court always used to rule one way and uh, talking to me about the other Supreme Court justices and how their tendencies were. And I'm like, this cat is unbelievable. So he is a multifaceted and mature young man that, it is. Uh, BYU fans are going to fall absolutely in love with. 
So uh, I think they're already in love with him. Uh, and I know the Twitterverse is only a percentage of the fan base, but just head over heels. He played in the Big Ten, and Kentucky's a national program, and they wanted him, and people were all sorts of pumped up. I also think, though, that, uh, and we've seen this in the past with multiple programs, including BYU basketball, if the expectations get too far out in front of reality, that's a problem. Uh, so specifically, what does he bring, and specifically, what should he not be expected to bring? Because you got to keep this kind of, you know, grounded in reality here. You guys, you guys know me. I don't try to talk down expectations. <laughs> uh, we're trying to we're we're trying to win. And we're trying to win big, and we don't win big that we deserve to take a hit. So, you know, we don't we don't we don't tend, uh, you know, dumb down things. Um, you know, we have a job doing. Our job is to go win. And so we're gonna do everything we can to do. And when we when we win, we're gonna celebrate. And when we don't, we're gonna we're gonna suffer. And this Matt Holmes has come here because he's got big dreams. And um, and he, uh, you know, he's 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 taking a big risk, right? He's 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 going somewhere where he's actually never been on our campus, and and he's he's uh, going to a program that, at least for this coaching staff, is really really young. But he's doing it because. Um, he wants to take a massive swing and see what he can do. You know, think about this is a seven-three uh, center slash power forward that uh, has a really, really beautiful stroke. You know, he only shot thirty-one percent from the three-point line last year, but uh, when you look at his stroke, you just, you just, you're, you're just a believer who, um, you know, rebounds from the three-point line on the offensive end and. Uh, he's played a lot of pinch posts. He's played for an unbelievable coach in Matt Painter for the last several years. and Clearly has been well-schooled. and um, He's excited to do everything he can to expand his game and help us win, and you know, that's our job. That's what we're going to try and do. So with Lee and Baxter coming back and the two red shirts that are going to be available now with this kid, you're going to have five big men, and ultimately competition sorts itself out. But what's your idea as far as how they're all going to play? Well, we're going to use everybody. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed to be in a league uh, that, that year in and year out has, if not the best front line, but one of the top two or three front lines in America, and certainly in the Zags. Uh, you know, with with everybody coming back and and a couple guys coming back that were injured uh, the second half of the season last year, you know, we are we're facing the best front line in America, and um, and so we need you know all hands on deck, and, and we're playing another ridiculously difficult schedule this year, and and uh, for us to win and win big, we need all these guys, and we have, you know, we have a not overly experienced. Um, but in some ways a very veteran, very deep, uh, really, really talented, and really, really long front line. But more importantly, a bunch of guys that, um, you know, are dying to compete for each other. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about this Matt Harms is, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he plays with such fiery passion. Sometimes it overflows all over the court and all the way into the stands, right? And um, that's a contagious feel. And, uh, you know, this Rich Harward, who I've had the pleasure of coaching at Utah Valley and transferred here and sat out last year, you know, he's the same way. He's got so much passion. And you think about Gavin Baxter with all the talent he brings. And, you know, and Wyatt Lowell, you know, at the three and the four with his incredible skill set. And Kobe Lee was our starter for the entire season last year in a, you know, in a team that was ranked in the top 20. Um, and that's a good crew. Uh, it's a really good crew. Uh, 
they weren't extremely excited about coaching. How many of the bigs can you play together? How many have enough game where they can step out, shoot the ball, spread the floor, so you could really have a lot of size on the court all at once? Well, Gavin Baxter can really shoot it. Uh, Wyatt Lowell's a proven shooter. He only shot 40% for us uh, almost the entire season in his freshman year. It was a whack freshman year. Uh, Kobe Lee shot uh, a great percentage last year, even though he didn't shoot a ton. Matt Harms is, you know, he's going to make a big jump in his percentage. He's fully capable. Uh, and this Rich Harward, if you had Rich on right now, he'd say, I'm the best freaking shooter of all of them, right? Uh, and Rich would be hyped about it. So, you know, we think that these guys can really spread the floor. More importantly, they can really pass the ball. Uh, Rich Harward is an unbelievable passer from the pinch post and the low post. Um, and, uh, and he's got, a, he's got a, a great feel and great vision. And I think Matt has shown the capability to do that at a high level. And we think um, with, with, with the way he'll fit into our system, he's going to grow into an elite passer. Certainly he's going to be able to pass over everybody, right? Um, and so, you know, these guys are, they can play physical and they can play long. We should, we should feel way more comfortable on the defensive glass this year with a great effort. And, and we should be able to attack teams on the offensive glass. All those things are important parts of the game that we're excited about. So obviously you got it. We've discussed the front court and the back court. We know we got Barcelo Harding. You got some recruits coming in. I'm going to ask you about Jesse Wade as far as his health. Do you anticipate him playing and playing for you next season? Well, Jesse is, uh, you know, Jesse is, is, is working hard. You know, his, his body has not been kind to him so far in his college career. Um, but he is 100% committed to finding a way to uh, fight through all this frustration and really accomplish something special. So, you know, we're excited. We're, we're excited to see what he can do. Um, He's a really, really talented player, uh, and he's, he's really talented with the ball in his hands. He just needs to find a way to get his body healthy. So, um, you know, we, we've kind of, we've kind of, um, you know, chased every corner and avenue of rehab and, and reconstruction, and and we're rolling through the whole thing again to see if we can help him. Right now, he's he's feeling really good. He's um, he's on a pretty intense program that he set up for himself with our. Uh, medical staff. Um, he's, he's he's doing some interesting things right now. It'll be a fun story, uh, you know, if and when he, he finds his way back to 100% health. So we're really hopeful, um, especially hopeful for him. He's been through a lot, and I would love to see him on the court competing again. How much is the roster completely set, and how much could there still be changes, whether guys are coming or guys are going? Uh, we got we got a lot of work to do, um, so it's uh, you know we got our heads down right now, and this is a really important next two months for us. Um, we have to find the the, the right guys uh, to to round out this roster. Um, there's uh, you know there's certainly some some great talent, and I think some maybe undervalued talent in this portal right now that uh, have huge upsides, and so we're chasing it hard. You know I'm blessed with. You know, you think about this: it, Cody Feger and and Chris Burgess and Nick Robinson. Uh, these guys are so hungry, and um, they just hit it hard every single day. They're they're hitting it hard with our players in every way that they're allowed to do right now, every single day, and and they are just crushing this portal, just scouring it and intense research on every single player as they come out and. 
And, uh, you know, you're lucky, man, as a head coach, when you have a staff like that that, that can really recruit. So I'm really interested to see how you get a kid who's a foreign kid, obviously plays in the States in Indiana, and you get him to commit to Provo, Utah, without ever seeing your campus. And I don't even know if he's ever been in the state of Utah, let alone Provo. He drove through one day. He didn't stop. He didn't stop anywhere, but he drove through. Uh, you know, it, it probably says more about Matt Harms than it does about us. I, I'm going to tell you what I think it talks about. So so let me tell you w- why I think this happened. One is because my staff's incredible. And, um, you know, Nick Robinson was the first one to make contact with Matt as soon as he came in the portal and was able to, you know, um, was able to coerce him into sitting down and having a Zoom call with us. Uh, and then, you know, we got one shot at him. And after the call, I was like, you know what, I'm really surprised. I actually want to talk to you guys again. Let's go. And um, and uh, and then, you know, Coach and Coach Burgess worked so incredibly hard. And, and uh, they've done an unbelievable job developing our guys. And so the three of those guys uh, – kind of teamed up to do this so first was the staff the second thing and i kid you not um you know the, these crazy polls going on with the best mascot in the country and the best fans in the country and all this stuff you know you can say what you want about it you can say it's meaningless you can say that uh you know that um it's silly but but at, at the heart of hearts man being a fan can can be meaningless and silly but you care and and it's no surprise that Cosmo was the number one, you know, voted the number one mascot in the country and that, that you know, I think our fan base is ultimately going to win this thing and, and be the number one fan base in the country based on these polls is because our fans care. And this fan base is extraordinary. And the stretch and reach that it has is breathtaking. And, and, um, and uh, you know, Matt could feel that. Like, I mean, our fan base is an unbelievable recruiting tool. You know, you send kids – uh, video of of the Marriott Center on Seahawk this year, and even a guy that's playing in the Big Ten that's played in all those games, he was like, man, I've never seen anything like that. Um, and so our fan base is a huge part of it. And uh, and the most important part is our players. Um, you know, the product that they were able to show on the court last year, I think it's caught in people's attention. And, and um and guys want to be a part of it, and they want to be a part of that locker room. And I think Matt's mature enough to see all that and, and uh, know who he is and what he cares about. And he was so excited to jump on board. And you know, like I said, we, clearly we're so excited to have him. Nick Robinson has a quote that caught my attention in the Deseret News. There's a story on scheduling. Jeff Call wrote it. And I've always thought, and I thought Lavelle Edwards did a great job of this at BYU with the way he turned around everything with missions. You know, it was perceived as a weakness. He turned it yeah. into a strength to the point yeah. that everybody else in the league was complaining about it. And I'm a San Diego yeah. State fan, so I know we were complaining about it. So <laughs> the scheduling, you know, nobody wants to go to the Marriott Center because your fans show up in huge numbers and it's loud and it's at elevation. And then you got to go out and compete against a good team and you're probably going to lose. And he has a quote um, about non-conference scheduling um, and he turns it on his head. Uh, yes, you've been dominant at the Mary Center, and the quote is, that is actually an advantage for some of the Power Five and Blue Blood programs. The way yep. scheduling is structured these days, you want to be able to play quad one quality opponents on the road or on neutral sites. So that's an awesome quote, and it's an awesome thought. Do you think any of the Blue Bloods who want to get a one, two, or three seed and need quad one wins 
are you actually going to get them this coming year in the Marriott Center? Man, we're trying. We're we're we're, we're trying like crazy. It's not easy. Um, you know, part of and 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 and, and, and all you know. It also is important to note that all these leagues have gone to 18 and 20 game league seasons, so that makes it really difficult. That yeah. makes it complicated just genuinely because it, you know, it, it means they don't have as many discretional games that they can schedule. But what Nick said is absolutely true. You know, um, you know, we finished number nine in the net this year uh, and and 13 and 10, Tom, and part of that is because we know that if we schedule big it helps you with all the metrics win or lose you know so the truth is is for a power five for kansas or kentucky or duke or a blue blood north carolina to roll into the marathon center it actually is not expensive for them in terms of metrics win or lose right and um and if they win it you know it's, it's a huge shot in the arm so you know, we're trying to sell that narrative. I, I think, you know, we've established both at UVU and at BYU that it works. When you schedule really, really hard, it helps all your numbers, even if you don't come away from winning. You know, hopefully um, teams will feel that more and more and see it more and more, and, and we can get uh, great competition in the Marriott Center. It's really important to us. I mean, it's really, really important. It's been a point of emphasis to to try and make that happen. Our fans deserve it, and, and it's good for college basketball. So, we're trying. Okay. So, Mark, is it, to be totally honest, there's a prevailing thought here that you're not long for BYU, that you got higher aspirations to go to other places. So I'm not going to ask you to pledge allegiance to the to BYU by any stretch. But what I'm going to ask you is you're crazy enough to think that you can win at the highest level in Provo, don't you? I'm, I'm done that way, my friend. You know, I'm, I'm – I'm, uh, you know, most people say that's not very smart, but, but I just believe it. And, and uh, you know, I get that. Uh, we get that in a lot of recruiting. Everybody's saying, well, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. And, and um, you know, I don't know. I hope that when people look at our team and look at what we're trying to do, I hope they can see that all of us are putting our heart and soul and we are 100% invested in BYU. I love this place. Uh, I'm telling you, there are so many power fives that I could go to, uh, that, that any of us could go to, that we, any of us could go to, where we are not going to have uh, the ingredients that we have here at BYU. Um, from facilities to fan base to tradition to just the care, right? Um, I think this is an extraordinary place. And, you know, I think we can really recruit at a high level. Now, we have to, you know, we have to... We have to be relentless, and we're going to end up going through through hundreds of names and hundreds of deep recruiting pitches to finally get to the guys that see that this is the perfect fit for them. But I have a staff that's willing to put in the hours and do it, and, and I think, you know, we say this all the time, we, we, we have scary dreams that you're scared to talk about, but, but um, we have high expectations for what we're trying to accomplish here, and, and we're going to keep pounding away until we do it. Well, I don't know if you're going to take a job or not, Mark, but you're going to get offered them because those numbers you said about the net number and Ken Palm and the win-loss record and just the way the arena looked the night of the Gonzaga win at home. Uh, we saw what happened with the Colorado football program in Michigan State swooping in with big money. So we know how Power 5 schools think. So we'll be intrigued to see how it plays out. And uh, good luck with your, your head down in the transfer portal uh, grinding away here in the next few weeks. Guys, I'm telling you, you are going to love this Matt Harms. I'm excited for you guys to meet him and get him on. This kid is uh, 
He's spectacular, and he's going he's gonna to do some stressful things here. So thanks for having me on. Have a great day, gentlemen. There's Mark Pope, BYU basketball coach. What is trending? All the headlines, the NFL draft. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.